0: I became brutally honest because as a consultant, if you tell them exactly the way it is, then they can argue back with you. Like if you you create an emotion that's like they might have to defend their ideas. And so we get to a better place. So I am intentionally brutally honest to say, let's fight this out.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to The Creative Rising, a series of conversations on career, courage, and creative leadership. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and today we're gonna talk about a topic that on the surface seems pretty clear-cut, pretty straightforward. We're gonna talk about being honest. Everyone acknowledges that telling the truth is the right thing to do. My four-year-old could tell you that. But being honest isn't as simple as it seems. There can be a real terror in telling the truth. For instance, when should you tell the truth? How? And in front of a client or a boss? What if your job or reputation is on the line? How honest should you be? Should you be pretty honest or should you be brutally honest? And most of us are afraid of being labeled as either too nice and as a pushover or too mean and as a prick. How do we avoid both extremes? And how do we even not be concerned with what other people think? To bolster our bravery and being tough truth-tellers, we're going to learn from a friend of mine, Emily Cohen, who is a fabulous business consultant for creative agencies. I've worked with her for several years, and I'm excited to learn more from her today. In fact, she just released a book titled Brutally Honest. So, So, Emily, how are you?
0: Good, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm excited. Thanks for being here. So, to start, tell us a bit of your... uh, tell us more about your backstory. Yeah. Did you come from a family where being direct and honest uh, was pretty normal?
0: Oh, you could say that. Yeah, so my uh, mostly my father had no social filter. Okay. And uh, so he would just feel like he could say anything. And I was just used to growing up in that, in that kind of environment, not thinking anything unusual. Um, and my favorite story about my father, if you don't mind me telling this great story, Please. was uh, when he met my mother-in-law for the first time. Uh, She wasn't my mother-in-law. Obviously, she was my fiancé's mother. Um, Also, Puerto Rican. I'm Jewish, so already there was some kind of uh, issue going on. And we're having dinner, and they're all meeting each other. And my husband's a little heavy. Not a lot, just a little. Okay. And uh, all his brothers are pretty heavy. And my father says to my future mother-in-law, I see where your sons get their weight problem from. Wow. And it was... Terrifying, But he was sort of telling the truth.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And so whether that was appropriate or not, it took her a year to get over that. But once she got used to it and realized who he was, she found it adorable.
1: Hmm. Okay. But it
0: took a good year. And that's typically what I found with my father. And so I've learned over the years to tailor that strategy a little bit and to be a little softer. And people, when they hear that story, think it's horrifying. For me, it's just... It's so it's part of It was just part of growing is. up, yeah. and I never thought anything other than other than just go. oop, <laughs> There goes my dad again. Yeah. You know.
1: So as as you've uh, grown your career over time, was there a moment when you realized the value of being direct and telling the truth?
0: Oh yeah, I think that it, it came a little bit later in life, a little bit. Um, I, I think it was a gradual thing. I don't think I was always. I've always been very honest and sort of direct um but this idea of being brutally honest and being it comes from being a consultant so cuz my clients sometimes have to hear the truth right um and i think that a lot of times i became brutally honest because as a consultant if you tell them exactly the way it is then they can argue back with you like if you you create an emotion that's like they might have to defend their ideas and so we get to a better place so i am intentionally brutally honest to say let's fight this out like defend your ideas, make sure it's you know, you believe in it completely. And I can get pretty direct um with my clients. Yeah, you know, so if they're doing something stupid that's gonna hurt their business, I'm pretty much gonna say, That seems like a stupid idea. Can you explain it to me?
1: Wow. So the the poking the bear strategy. Yes. You're gonna poke the bear a bit. I'm gonna poke to it see but very intentionally. How it yeah.
0: yeah. And sometimes not intentionally, sometimes I do it just because that's who I am and over time, you know, I've just gotten worse at it. <laughs> but in a great way. Like people I think it takes a while to get used to. But once they do, they actually, for the most part, most people love me. And I hate Mm. to say that, but they really do. I mean, once they get to know me, just a little bit, and they see that I'm doing this with love. Like, I'm not doing this to be evil, or I'm just being truthful in the way I see truth. And what might be truthful to me is not necessarily truthful to them. So, you know, we talk about it.
1: Yeah, that's great. So... I do feel like there's this rise of candor and honesty in the creative world, creative professionals. It seems like we're talking about it a lot. There's Radical Candor is a great book. Um, Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. He talks about the value of candor and how he kind of turned around Disney animation on the basis of that. Why do you think that is? Why is it so valuable or important today?
0: You know, it's a good question. I think a little bit millennials, you know, I think millennials have um, gotten a bad, Rep, but, in fact, I think millennials are awesome because they are all about transparency, right They want transparency in the workplace um, and they are have been screaming this for, for screaming for this for so long that I think that people are starting to accept it that it 's part of our business culture now. I think it 's a little of that, and I think it 's just because you know with the current climate, people are more open to the truth and being honest and having more authentic conversations yeah. so i don't know if there's a cultural reason for it because i grew up with it so i feel like it's always been part of me but i do think it's definitely especially that transparency part of the the honesty that kind of transparency i think that's very new Hmm.
1: in in the world yeah i kind of see it sometimes is is like we we're so busy we're so busy we have so much going on that We almost don't have time to beat around the bush. Yeah, no, you like, just want to cut to the shit. Like right? we, cut we, to the, yeah. Yeah, we want to fix things. We want to get it right. We want yeah. to move on and tackle the next problem. Yeah. And sometimes beating around the bush, you know, being too nice, yeah. fluffing it up, doesn't allow you to get to the yeah. heart of the matter.
0: And especially because in our profession, so in creatives, in the creative world, people are, and actually I think this goes beyond our world, everybody's people pleasers, right? So they're so afraid of telling the truth because of how that might be perceived, that it stops them from having good conversations. But I think you're right. I think people wanna don't have time for that anymore. Yeah. And they just want to know, like, what is it is that's bothering you? What it is that you need to tell me? Just tell me. I think that passive-aggressive behavior is no longer tolerated um, in in a lot of different environments now. People just yeah. want to... I, I think that's it's translated in the business world and in the personal world, even with parenting styles. I think that people are more being more honest with their kids
1: yeah, yeah. Um,
0: in ways that I think is more effective
1: yeah so you mentioned this a little bit but but being too nice so i definitely fall into the category of being the nice guy so there's been countless times where i wanted to speak up to a client or a coworker, but i didn't i I held it back yeah and i regretted it later yeah but if you flip that has there ever been a time for you where you were honest you were brutally honest but then you you regretted it
0: yeah there's actually many (laughs) i mean i can tell you many um but they were always lessons learned and always resulted in something good, if that makes any sense. So I can give you two stories because they're my favorite stories. Um, one was a client that I've had for 20 years and I was giving him advice for 20 years and for 20 years, he wasn't taking any of my advice and it was getting me very, very frustrated. And so eventually I just kind of, it bottled up enough. Like I've learned to tailor my, bot- my brutally honesty. and we can talk about when is appropriate and when it's not. Yeah. Um, but I was at one point in my, my conversation with him, I'm like, you know, whatever, I don't want to say his name, but you are full of all these great ideas, but you do shit. And I literally just said that. Wow. And he was pretty mad. So he sent me an email, fired me, and he should have, right? That's just inappropriate to say that. Um, and yet we were friends because it's been 20 years. And one of the things we realized, so he didn't talk to me for about a month or two. He needed to chill out. And I get that, because I really, I shouldn't have done that. Um, And then he started, we started talking. And we realized we were more like brother and sister, because we'd been together for 20 years, or best friends. And because we socialized, too. And so we realized we were just getting too close, and it was time for him to move on. So he found some other consultants, and that was great, and we stayed in touch, and I went out to dinner with him. And he just recently hired me back. Hmm. And because he said, I need that honesty again. And something you said at that moment it took me two years to realize got me to think I really do need to change Wow like he knew that I was telling the truth. I said it in an inappropriate way, um, but I was so frustrated at that point and it made it made a difference. It took two years, but it made a difference
1: and sometimes you you have to kind of cut through the clutter, right yeah. I mean, you, sometimes you have to say that sharp word yeah. or words to get someone's attention.
0: Yeah, and that's what I was talking about earlier, just that kind of battle. you know. Unfortunately, this battle took about two years to get yeah. to, but yeah. And then another time I was in a meeting, this probably was not great either, where I was in a meeting with a CMO and all his team. And he was a ne- new CMO, and he kept, which a lot of CMOs will do, pivoting the conversation all about him. Mm. And he was a windbag. And my, I, so this is one of the reasons why I'm also brutally honest. My face is not a poker face, like my husband likes to say. And so if you, even if I'm not telling the truth, you can see it, the truth in my face. And so the CMO at one point said, you don't like me, do you? In the meeting in front of everybody. Wow. And I said, it's not that I don't like you, but I think you're really a windbag. <laughs> <laughs> and you're taking the conversation in a different way. And he's like, oh. Oh, you know, I probably am doing that. And right then, it changed the whole meeting.
1: Wow. First, I I wonder if anyone had ever called him a windbag before. He
0: was brand new, so no one wanted to speak up. So, as a consultant, I'm a i lay- am I can I have a little bit more of a leeway in that way. People forgive consultants easily than they do their staff. Yeah, because um, staff are fearing, are fearing of fearing a fire, being a fear of being fired. Sure. Um, I didn't care if they got fired because I got paid my my fee already, and I was just like, if you're hiring me for an expertise, if you're gonna delay where we need to go, then I need to get us back on track. Right. So I just said that I could have again framed it in a different way. But this is what I've sort of gotten gotten known for and I do this in my personal life too. So um it's not just my business life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I have another question around the timing. Yep. But so so I think about timing sometimes of of being honest from a project perspective. So okay. you have a choice in a project cycle to be a hard up front. Like let's have the hard conversations. Let's talk about scope, timeline, yep. price. Expectations, all the hard things that we don't really want to talk about. Yeah. You can do that up front, um, and then the rest of the project's probably going to be smooth. It'll be easy. Yeah. But if you don't have those hard conversations up front and you make it easy, we're, we're excited to jump in to figure yeah. this out together. Inevitably, the second half of the project's probably going to be hard. Yeah, you exactly. Didn't, you didn't figure that out. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of the hard, easy, easy, hard sort of yeah. an idea. But what about with a career, with like a life cycle of a career? Right. When should creatives be honest? You know, because I think about an intern coming into our office and, and saying something from a place that's not really wise. You know, they don't yeah. really know it yet. Right. But they're trying to be honest and that's their truth right now. Right. So what what advice would you give around the timing of, of being honest from a career perspective?
0: That's a really good point. I think a lot of it takes, first of all, you have to be honest with yourself. So I think um, that also is important to like, Think about what you need for whatever business situation you're in when you're just starting a career. So if you have an interview, what are the things you need to, what are the key points you want to say? What do you know about yourself that you shouldn't say? What are you looking for in the job? Um, You know, whenever I go out of the house, my husband always says, because he knows me so well, he's like, these are the three things you shouldn't talk about today. Because he knows I'm going to open my mouth and say something. So it's just using that internal clock in your head, internal like voice in your head to say like, what is appropriate and what's not. The other thing is, look, young kids they don 't know what they don 't know right right sometimes they don 't know they haven 't learned some of the stuff, so I think part of us as people that interview these young people is to be a little bit more forgiving of that honesty, yeah and to understand that they're not this is they're new they're they they're new to the world and they're not necessarily new to the world, but they 're new to the business world, and they don 't know what is and isn't appropriate, but I think it's also brutal honesty doesn't mean even though I, despite my stories just now, that means that it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. Or I think you just have to think before you talk. I'm always a big big believer in that. And even though I don't necessarily do it all the time, I really do try for the most part to think before I talk to say, is that appropriate? (laughs) Or can I frame that in a different way? So I think that's part of it is when you're starting your career, just think about just breathing a little bit. Also, I think those, those um, moments of silence are really important. Mm. So you could just take a minute, just think about your thoughts. Um, before you say things, if that, does that answer your question? Yeah. And I think creatives do this a lot, which is make assumptions about what people think. Um, So, uh, that's, I think, one of the main reasons why people are not honest, is because they're always thinking, well, if I'm honest, what is that person going to think? And you actually really never know what people are going to think. You can't guess. And honestly, I think you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. They're more forgiving than you think. If you are just a kind human being, like if you are a really nice human being, which we all should be, then people are going to forgive you if you maybe hurt their feelings once in a while right. or if you say something that's hard to hear. But if they like you and they know that you're a good human being, they'll forgive you. Yeah. Right? So I think a lot of people are afraid of that.
1: Yeah. And no, that makes I sense. think that
0: stops them from moving forward a lot. Was that the people pleasing and the 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 making the assumptions of what they're going to think.
1: Yeah. And the people pleasing like, and, and wor- you know being worried about How people interpret your career or your work, you know, Instagram's the worst for that because you're, you're literally measuring how many people clicked if they liked it or not. Right. So we put that pressure on ourselves and it almost comes out of a place of insecurity. It's like, will will people like me? So there's this interesting parallel between security and honesty. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be more honest with people that I love because I'm secure in maybe our relationship or they, they know really who I am. Or I know who I am and I'm not trying to hurt this person. Yeah. So I think there's an interesting parallel there.
0: Yeah. I think also I talk about this when I also talk about the how do you say no. And it's very similar when you want to be honest, which is you should think about your plan B before you speak, which is to say, if you are having trouble like at work and somebody is doing inappropriate behavior or they just don't like what's happening in the work office in terms of like, I don't know, just cultural issues. Like my daughter right now, she's 24 and she's started her new job and she's having a lot of issues. And I'm really encouraging her to speak up and be honest. I think a lot of it's also just thinking about what your plan B is. What are you willing, how far are you willing to go if you speak up for something that you believe in and they react negatively? Like, are you willing to quit? Are you willing to, like, go to a legal team? Are you willing to go to HR? Are you willing to go whatever? You know, then it'll shape how you, the degree of honesty you go to. Yeah. And I think I tell that people, because a lot of my students I teach and... I get a lot of phone calls often, like, about a year or two after I teach them, and it's they got fired. Like, mm-hmm. I get a few students that get fired from their first job, and they're just destroyed. And they're so afraid of, like, they're going to give a bad review, and I'm like, and I know this not, has nothing to do with honesty, but I think it's similar, which is that they, it stops them from moving forward. Hmm. And you can't stop that from happening. Like, life is just going to have bad moments, yeah. right? And you have to keep moving on.
1: Well, and, and being fired is such a blow to your ego. Yeah. You know? So it, it, it almost ties back to the insecurity part versus yeah. saying, you know what? I, I wasn't thriving there. I right. wasn't really being my best self. I'm right. kind of glad that happened. Right. Like, they exactly. made the hard decision right. and I'm going to benefit yeah. from that. And
0: both of us are at the age now where we can we know that. We know that when bad things happen, usually... There's a reason like something happens later on. Right. So just like when I when I told the client that he does shit, two years later, something great happened. Yeah. And we're working together again and we're making more change. Right. So but if
1: we were talking about this a week after that happened or a month. Yeah. It might be a different.
0: Yeah. But I wasn't still upset because, you know, I still knew the client and I would be friends because I was a good person and he's a good person. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there was no evilness in my in the way I talk in the in my approach with him. Yeah. It was just being honest.
1: Right. So let's go back to your daughter yeah. in that scenario. <laughs> Cause I think that's a good scenario. Yeah. So, what other tips are you giving her? What other practical advice yeah. are you giving her around how to be honest?
0: Oh, so many. <laughs> it's so many that my husband's thinking I need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's she's new. This is her second job out of college. Um, in the first job she was a leader in that company. She was more like she went right from college to become a director of marketing. Like crazy. Like she's, you know. And so then she joined a company. She's a project manager in an advertising agency, and she's now at the bottom of the rung. And so because her her title has changed, you know, she's project coordinator, which is not even project manager, right? Um, I'm just giving her a lot of advice about, first of all, how to handle that, that you are the lowest and you're not used to being the lowest on the totem pole, even though she's 24, 25, 24, I think she is. Um, You think I'd know that better. (laughs) Um, So I've been giving her a lot of advice about being just really tell tell the people that you're working with, both the coworkers, as well as the people that she reports to, her challenges. You know, the challenge is that she now has to learn that she's, what she's struggling with and I'm trying to help her with it. And I think I need to bug out a little bit. I think I'm overly business consultant with her.
1: Oh, yeah. So I think
0: I'm a, I need to pull back. Blurring the but, lines
1: of mom and yeah. consultant.
0: But I've taught both my kids to stand up for themselves. I'm a big believer in standing up for yourself. I mean, I never, I didn't want them to be kind of followers. I wanted them to be, take charge of their lives. And if they weren't happy to make changes and to affect change and to tell people how they were feeling. So I've always encouraged her to that. What now what's happening is now she's speaking up for everybody else on the team.
1: Hmm.
0: And so they've literally physically separated her from some other people on the team because they feel like she's riling up the team. I don't, I, don't th- I think that was my impression. My impression was they separated her for this. And I think when I found out, they didn't separate her for that. They wanted to just separate all the project coordinators into different areas of the business, you know, mm-hmm. which I got. But I made an assumption. So I'm just trying to give her advice about speaking up, but just knowing also that you don't necessarily speak. You have to speak for your team, but it's not your job to worry about everybody. And you sort of have to worry about yourself first because she's the project coordinator. So what if she can affect change with her role... Then she can help others do their role better, so yeah. I've been talking to her about that, and just how to manage the hierarchy of things. Um, yeah,
1: well, it seems like it's difficult to know when and how often to be too honest, yes, so if your honesty contains some sort of negative feedback, or yeah. criticism, or tension, how do you you know how how much is too much yeah. so it's a little bit like in a in a relationship, you don't want to bombard your partner with complaints about dishes in the sink or the pillows being disheveled, eventually it gets annoying, right? You have to learn to choose your battles. Yes.
0: Yeah, choosing battles is a great advice. I wish I had said that. That definitely is something that's important. I think the other thing is not to finger point. So like even with your husband not doing the dishes or your wife, you know, it's like somehow the dishes are not getting done. We need to work better at that. Like, so I think there is a way you can handle it, which is if you blame somebody, and this is also about saying no, right? If you say, Blake, you did this wrong, what you're going to do is get defensive. Yeah. But if I say, here's the situation that we're having, I want to try to figure out a way, better way of working. I'm having trouble with this. Rather than saying, Blake, you're doing this wrong or you're offending me or you're, you know, whatever, I'm saying the situation or whatever. So, and, and it makes it easier to have that conversation mm. because then you're going to get less defensive. The person that you're talking to is, so I try to do that a lot, which is to frame how I talk about it so it's less accusatory because that, I notice over time and I've read some good good books about that um is when you approach people with tough conversations never finger point don't use their name don't blame them right and sometimes come with solutions too so here's the situation here's here's three ways i can fix this i had a client um in boston and so a lot of our conversations were virtual and she is an equally strong woman just like me uh probably even stronger and uh, we just were having trouble I don't know how to explain it, but we were not communicating well. And I finally said, um, I don't want to say her name, but we're having trouble communicating. What's going on? She goes, oh, I'm so glad you told me that because I'm feeling the same way. And so by just saying we, not her, you know, and so we started talking and one of the things we realize is both of us are strong women and maybe it's better to meet in person than do it on the phone so we can see that face to face and see that love and see that caring because when you do tough conversations on the phone that's another way you shouldn't you should never be honest on the phone because it comes across or on email oh my god email is the worst like if you're gonna be honest it has to be face to face yeah and i think that's really hard for people because it's they, really
1: hard because the easy option is a text yeah or an email
0: yeah and that's when you frame things badly and when things can get mis- misinterpreted but if you do a face-to-face they see that love in your face they see that caring they see that you're upset and that makes a big difference in the conversation so i would say that i whenever i'm honest it's usually face-to-face
1: yeah that's good well i love i love starting out with framing the situation yeah and owning it letting it yeah. be a bit inclusive because it, it does kind of take the the tension out of it. Yeah. Like, this is something that we together need to solve and yeah. figure out. And sometimes starting the tough conversation is the hardest thing for yeah. me. Like, how am I actually going to just go and yeah. start? You, you have know? to find the
0: right moment, right? Yeah. So, because people are in bad moods or there's stress going on. So, you have to find... Like, when I had that call with the client, probably was not the right time. First of all, was on a call and he was in a bad mood. So, probably wasn't a good time. Yeah. So, picking the right moment... So you might have to wait a few days. Yeah. And also you should wait. Well, obviously this is clear. If you're angry or upset, you need to calm down. Yeah, that's good. Right? So before you're honest, you should think about like some people say go to your like go to your balcony, go to your quiet space. Um, Except that I do think sometimes seeing that emotional response does impact how you talk about things. So sometimes if you are upset, I don't actually mind You talking right then, because then they feel the upset. I think it's when anger, when you're angry, that's when you need to calm down.
1: There's a friend of mine, Rick Anwall, who said, if you're in a client meeting and you feel like you need to make a statement to ask yourself, should this be said? Right. Should this be said by me? Should (laughs) this be said by me right now? Yeah. And I love that framework. Yeah. You know, because you really have to be wise and discern the, the time. Yeah. And sometimes you don't need to be the bad guy, you know, especially in that situation in a a client meeting, you don't have to be the one to speak up, especially if you're the one that did the work. Sometimes it's better if you don't come off defensive and you let someone else on your team or sometimes on the client side in our world, they end up making the exact same observation that we were about to.
0: make. Yeah. I think also your team has to be empowered to say the thing is your team probably won't feel comfortable being honest. Because if you haven't led the way, so sometimes you might have to be honest for yourself because your team's not going to do it. So you have to depend depends on the team you go to, Yeah, you have behind you. But, yeah, I completely agree. For me, it's the, the voice in my head is my husband's. <laughs> 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 like, for a while, it was my roommate in college. I always have somebody in my life who's, like, the level-headed one who just is really good with telling me, like – these are the things you have to be careful. Like, yeah. I, you know, just I'm always thinking, what would my husband do in this situation? Not that I would agree with what he would do, but he's a more calming person than I am. So anytime I want to say something really brutally honest, I think, is this appropriate? Well, would my husband yell at me later on? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I tell him this story and he goes, "Ah, oh, again?
1: Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> something beautiful about having someone in your life yeah. that knows you well enough that they can be honest with you. Yeah. You know, and that you're thinking about that person who's keeping you honest. Yeah. It's like a dream within a yeah. dream thing. And I've always yeah. had that
0: person in my life.
1: Yeah, that's I've awesome.
0: always had somebody in my life who's that person that kind of kept me kept me going and understood me. Yeah. So it's nice. And now my clients are like that for most part. Most of my clients know me so well that they forgive me every time I say something that maybe is a little bit too honest. Yeah, and I don't know if they need to figure me so much as it really does make a difference. I think they really listen.
1: What are some things that are clearly wrong ways to be honest, like th- yeah. the, the timing or the situation yeah. or the context?
0: Certainly, certainly anything personal attack, right? So you're heavy, like my father did, probably not appropriate, right? Yeah. Um, or so I think it's when it's very personally driven. Um, so, but if they ask your opinion. Like, what do you think of this dress? I think you should, you know, tell them the truth if they don't look good. Yeah. Um. So I think you have to pick your battle. Again, pick, like, the situation. But for the most part, I think honesty always applies, except when you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Hmm. Um, I think people, it cuts through all the shit. Like, you just get right to the point. And people, I think, for the most part, appreciate that. I mean, yeah. I'm from the East Coast, so obviously it's a little bit different depending on where you are in the country. Right. Um, so us New Yorkers are sort of more honest and say, yeah. Southerners. <laughs> yeah. so part of it's also adapting to the environment you're in, right? Sure. So I had some clients in Texas, for instance, and the Midwest. And so I realized, okay, this is a different kind of culture for me. And so I think that was also part of it was like, who are you talking to? Yeah. And what is going to resonate? What's the best way to work with them? So yeah. sometimes brutally honest is not going to be appropriate.
1: Yeah, that's good. Um,
0: but being honest is. Yeah, right.
1: Or or what are some practical tips for most of us that fall into the nice girl or guy category? That maybe if there's a spectrum of pushover and prick, we maybe skew a little bit towards the pushover. Like, what are some advice or what are some tips that you can give us to to be more brutally honest?
0: And I think that's the. Just that you see those two different angles, there's the prick or the nice person, there's not, life is much more subtle than that, right? Like I know there's stuff in between, but I think that already stops you from moving forward, right? So stopping all those things, all the stories you tell in your head, that's stopping you from talking. So I think part of it's, again, this idea of assumptions, which is if you can try to stop thinking about what other people are going to think. I think that helps you be a little bit more honest. Does that make sense? Like, I really think you should stop thinking about, oh, they're going to fire me or they're going to feel this way. Just think about what it is I need to say. How do I frame it appropriately? And is it, and I think like what your friend said, asking those questions. Yeah. You know, should I say this? Is it the right person I'm saying it to? And should that be me saying it?
1: Yeah. And I like the idea of of the relationship too. Like, how how much equity do I have built up in this? You know, like if if I just met someone, being honest, might be. Being direct and being brutally honest might be a bit tough. But yeah. if it's someone that you've known for a long time. Right. That they don't cast you as someone that's just going to be mean to be mean. Right. They know that it's going to come from love. Yeah. Right?
0: Absolutely. And I think. But even people. Maybe they're not perfect strangers. Absolutely not perfect strangers. Or maybe people that met you for a day. But if they've known you for at least a week or two. Then you still can be honest. Like if you're in a new to a job. You know. You don't want to already. And you're really unhappy with some things that are happening. Wait a few. Maybe a few weeks. But then you can speak up. I think it's perfectly okay to say, here's the things I'm struggling with, you know, or I don't understand these things. I think it's perfectly fine to think, to do that. I don't know if bosses always appreciate it, but I do mm. think more and more people are speaking up. So I think it's more and more um, appreciated. Yeah. I think there's a generational thing, right? So I think yeah. people in my generation, um, in my 50s, do have problems with that. And they need to get over it.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a correlation between respect and honesty perhaps from that perspective of there was a time where if you were the boss you did not get feedback from your direct report and that's changed
0: the world's completely changed yeah yeah i mean people feel like they should be all speaking up and i i love that i absolutely love that because i grew up with that and so it feels natural to me and i'm seeing the effects of it i i see that where cultures have improved dramatically because of that honesty Mm. right
1: yeah In, in a cultural context of a work environment to change it from a culture where people aren't honest. Yeah. Uh, and if, and if they're not honest, it means they're probably just gossiping with each other. Right. Well, that's, that's a easier. Challenge, right. That's, right? A really that's, big problem. that's the easier route yeah. to go. It takes a lot of courage to have a culture where people really are honest. Yeah. It takes a lot of work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can't force that honesty either. So you can't say, so I have a client right now that's struggling with this where she feels like she's done everything to improve the culture. But when she comes into the office, she's the boss, she sees everybody talking in a circle. And then as soon as she walks in the door, they separate. So there's something going on, mm. you know, and I and she wants to have like a meeting and a powwow. And I'm like... Mm, that's not such a great thing. Like, you can't force people to, like, working together or there's something going on, so you just have to pay attention to the signals. And I already knew there was one signal I could see right away, which is where I was brutally honest with her. Um, she has to be happens to be a very dominant speaker, so when she talks, she doesn't shut up. Hmm. And I think that that intimidates people. I think people don't feel like they can contribute if she's always talking. So I said, why don't we just start week one just listening more?
1: It reminds me of An episode of The Office. The Office, yeah. Where Michael Scott realizes that there's boxes of complaints back to Toby and HR. And Mm -hmm. so his approach to management to lead through this situation is he goes and he gets the boxes and he goes in the middle of the big room where they all sit and he says... We're going to deal with all these issues. We're going to get them out in the open. And he reads out loud, one by one, all of the complaints. <laughs> it's the most awkward scene yeah. in the whole series, yeah. baby.
0: no. And that's the thing, right? That anonymous thing. So one of my clients did that. They did like a, what is it? One of those boxes you, you did? Like a suggestion box. Suggestion box. Yeah. I'm like, I wish you had spoken to me before you had done that. <laughs> because first of all, everybody's always going to complain about salary. So their first complaint was we don't make enough money. Right. And so then they got really sensitive about that and they did a whole research around salaries and like it wasn't needed. You know, I think that you can create an environment. So I quite like um, just having staff meetings like every quarter to say, here's the state of our business. And I want and I think you do this in your culture. I think you're the one who taught me this. I'm not sure. But I love the idea of just saying, what are the three things that are doing really well? Like, what are the three things as a team we're doing well? And what are the three things that we're not doing well? Mm. You know, and if everybody yeah. comes to the table with those three things, we can hear. So we hear up some positives. And if they know there's a quarterly moment where we can tell the truth and we could be, we're open to, they're open to hearing that. And then you have three months to frame what you're going to say and think about priorities of what is the most important three things I'm going to say. I think that's really great. And then yeah. you can hear common messages.
1: Yeah. I think that's important too. Because I struggle sometimes as a, as a leader trying to create a positive culture. Yeah how do you uh celebrate the positives yeah more than talk about the negatives yeah you know but yep. some people can interpret that as sweeping the bad stuff under the yes. rug yeah when i see it as actually no i think being a good leader means you need to celebrate the things oh, yeah. that are, are happening more than talking right. about the things that aren't going so well yeah but sometimes people can interpret that the wrong way you yeah
0: know? i think well, you're probably a great boss, um uh, but I think some people either focus on one or two one or the other, like it's either a really positive environment, yeah. and they're people pleasers, and they don't want to tell their staff anything that they're doing wrong, right? yeah, and then they're the opposite, which is it's very negative culture, like all oh, these things you're just not behaving, or you know we're having all these challenges. So it's a combination of having a balance of the good and the bad. But the other thing is not to say positive things just to say positive things. They have to be authentic positive yeah. things, not, right?
1: Yeah, not not manufactured right. positivity. Yeah, yeah, people exactly. can smell that. Oh, they can smell yeah. it
0: a mile. Like away. It, like
1: if the the vibe in the office is really sour. Yeah, and then someone walks in. The manager walks in and high-fiving and getting everyone riled up, that doesn't feel good. Yeah.
0: I had a client recently who was really upset because they got this, what she thought was an amazing client, and she was so excited, but the staff didn't seem excited. And, And so I was like, that's okay, because... What excites you doesn't mean it's going to excite them, but you can still communicate how excited you are. It doesn't mean you should expect them to be that positive about it. Maybe yeah. maybe there's something else. They're sick of working all these hours and they don't want any more work. You know, there might be other messages going on. Yeah.
1: All right. So I've been defining courage as uh, not the absence of fear, but the ability to reject indifference. Okay. So indifference is what sets in when you just stop caring, right? right. Like you're just so tired of that client or that boss oh, or that coworker yeah, and You just start phoning it in. And I think that's the kryptonite for most creatives. So what would you say to give them a bit of a pep talk? Like what would be your halftime speech for the creative community?
0: It's a really good question. How do your actions reflect on everybody else? It may be that you're reflecting on the team or you're reflecting on your company or you're reflecting on the industry as a whole. I don't think people make enough assumptions about, okay, before you speak about something, make sure it's reflective of your values and of the values of whoever you're you representing in that honest conversation.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's so hard. So many, so many people don't even know their own values. They yeah. don't know what they stand for. Right. Exactly. So a process of being honest with yourself, that's a first step. Yeah. Right. right. To go through that mental exercise or a literal exercise yeah. of writing them down. What do I stand for? Yeah. What, what convicts me? What breaks my heart? What gets me energized? Like yeah. Those areas are what you value.
0: Yeah. And I think those knowing those values makes helps you make decisions easier right especially tough decisions and tough
1: conversations yeah it's a bit of a compass
0: yeah yeah and to and to recognize those values you know i'm always so i do those uh, those strategic business planning retreats where i spend a day with my clients planning kind of like all those things about their business who are they where do they want to go how do they get there and i actually do that with my kids every year which is, just, just think about it. And I know this sounds crazy. And I'm maybe a crazy mother. But I spend a day with them to say, what do you want to do with life? You know, where do you want to go? And what are your values? Wow. And what are you driving this year? And they love it. They feel like it's awesome. And they keep wanting me to do it with all their friends. You know, it's just a moment to be honest with yourself about who you are. What kind of job do you really want? Don't listen to all these voices in your head. Like, you have your parents telling you what you think they think you should do. Right? Uh, you have your teachers telling you. You need to, like, look at who you are as human being what do you want to be and so having just a day to think about that wow they love it they look forward to it every year that we do it as much as we can now that they're out of the house i don't know if they'll do it as much but yeah it was very helpful
1: yeah well it it strikes me that that honesty requires space like you have to have you have to carve out time yes to have those hard questions and to figure that stuff out you know
0: Yeah, no, that's really true. But
1: a lot of us don't make time for it.
0: Well, a lot of us don't have time, right? So that's the biggest, you speak to everybody, everybody says they don't have enough time for anything, right? So that's the biggest thing. And so the thing that we spend, we neglect in terms of time is ourselves. And that's the most important person, right? If you're not happy, then everybody around you is gonna be miserable. Yeah. So I think that honesty has to come from yourself first. Be honest with yourself and take the time for yourself, right? It's not even self-care. Like I believe in self-care, but I'm talking about like, really psychological care too like who are you as a human being who do you want to be are you happy where do you want to go because too many people live in an unhappy like they should be happy
1: that's great you know I if you're unhappy that.
0: then look to yourself and say what is why, is why am I unhappy how can I change it yeah how can I affect change and that might be about being honest
1: yeah and, and it just takes courage to ask those questions. Yeah. Some people don't want to even ask those yeah, questions. Yeah, because they're, they're afraid of the answer. answer. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's really true, especially when you're asked questions of yourself. Yeah. And also because those changes could be big risks, right? So part of it's taking risks.
1: Right. Yeah. And well, I,
0: I think that's, I, beyond, beyond just the people pleaser, I think it's also people of fear of risk. Like, what could happen? Oh, that's bad. Right. You know, and I think life in business and anyway you, you you take risks if you don't take risks you don't move
1: forward yeah well emily thank you so much we've oh, covered welcome. a lot here <laughs> we've learned how to tell the truth a little bit more delicately but a little bit more honestly <laughs> yeah. we've I had some good life lessons. <laughs> We've uh, discussed a lot of things. And thank you for your wisdom. Thanks for writing this book. Tell people how they can find your book.
0: Oh, yeah. So it's um, called Brutally Honest. And it's actually not necessarily about being honest. It's named after what I'm known for as a Brutally Honest consultant. Um, it's a business book for creatives. And it's available at my website, com. But it's also available... Um, through my self-publishing site, which is booksellersdaughter.com because my father was a bookseller, so I named it after him. Oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, thank you so much, Emily.
0: Thanks for having me. It was really great.
1: Next week on The Creative Rising, the risk to rest. Why is it so hard for us to unplug Is it FOMO or workloads or deadlines or something else that fools us into thinking that rest is optional and a nice to do? We're going to talk to creative director and agency owner, Jose Reyes, and discuss the courage required to press pause, gain perspective, and rejuvenate our creative souls. You don't want to miss it. And thanks for listening. If you liked this show, please tell your friends and go leave us a review. It really does help others find the show. And if you're struggling with something in your creative career and you want us to do an episode on it, go to thecreativerising.com and let us know. Maybe, just maybe, we'll do an episode on it. Speaking of, today's episode was edited by Wes The Blunt Blankenship, music by Josh Genuine Garman. An illustration by Rachel the Edge, Eleanor. And a big shout out to Matchstick, a brand identity house. They lead organizations to discover who they are and how they best express themselves to the world. You can check them out at matchstick.com. That's M-A-T-C-H-S-T-I-C.com.